Hello and welcome! You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I'm C.T. Kelly. Alright, and today I'm going to be finally doing a story that I've wanted to do, like, literally from, like, week three. Yes, yeah, you've been, you've been talking about this forever. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like... It was hard at first to find, like, I didn't know if I had enough material to make for an interesting episode, but I think I finally found an angle that could work. Excellent. And found some fun little random stories. Fun little stories. The Microsoft Zune has been the butt of many jokes from tech writers and Apple devotees. It was Microsoft's answer to the iPod, a potential major competitor in a portable MP3 player marketplace dominated by Steve Jobs. However, the Zune came and went so quickly that many people have forgotten it even existed. Even though I got my first iPod right around the time Zune was first launched, the only time I ever heard about the Zune was through satirical references to it after it had already been discontinued. Just to start off all of this, I almost got a Zune. Right. Like, like I was becoming of the age where I was considering buying a, a phone right when smartphones were just becoming a thing. Yeah. And I... I was at like this perfect age where the Zune was possible, was like an actual choice for me. Right. And part of it was that I I was doing like computer science shit at the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the Zune actually lets you load shit onto it. Yeah. But honestly, my dad told me about it. Right. I hadn't heard anything about the Zune that wasn't a joke. Right. Exactly. I've never heard someone say like, yeah, when I had a Zune... Right, it was, and it it's was always great. Like, Zunes, am I right? Like, this is a product that was bad. Yeah. Like, there's a joke at the end of... They don't directly, like, say the Zune is bad, but at the end of Guardians 2, when they when they say, like... Like, he gets... Um, Star-Lord gets his Walkman destroyed, and one of the guys says, like, we found this on the ship, it's a Zune. Like, it's what everyone's listening to on Earth nowadays. It holds 300 songs. He's like, 300 songs? 300 songs? So, yeah. So, I set out to find more info on the Zune. Did it ever pose a real threat to Apple? Could it have posed a threat if it was built and or marketed differently? And are there still people who still use their Zunes today? I set out on a journey to find the answers to these questions. Let us now delve into the story of the oft-mocked Microsoft Zune. If anyone listening to this still uses a Zune, I will make you a certificate of coolness. <laughs> like, I will make of you... Zoom-ness. I'll make you, like... You know back in, like, the early internet days where one of the coolest things that you could do was go to a website and then print something out? <laughs> like, you could get, like, right. a certificate printed out that you yeah. found on a cereal box? From, like, pbskids.com yes. or something. I will make you a certificate like that, and you can print it out and put it on your wall. <laughs> Please let us know. Please. Um, we need to know. Yes. And if I get anything seriously wrong about the Zoom, please let me know. Uh, Zoom was a line of digital media products marketed by Microsoft. So it wasn't just the player. It was a whole line of products that ah. they were trying to push. Well, I didn't know that. So yeah. <laughs> the marketing must not have been that great. Yes. Um, Zoom consisted of a line of portable portable media players, digital media player software for Windows, a music subscription service known as Zoom Music Pass, music and video streaming services for the Xbox 360 game console via the Zune software, music, TV, and movie sales, and desktop sync software for the Windows phone. I see. So this was... It wasn't just them trying to make a phone. It was them trying to compete with, like, iTunes. Yeah, exactly. Like, the whole line of Apple music and media services right. kind of thing. Zune was also the provider of music streaming for United Airlines in flight after a partnership in 2010. 
Ah. The official MP3 player of Sky Mall Magazine. Call back. <laughs> so now we're going to delve in, uh, into a li- little bit of the history of the launch of the Zoom. In the early 2000s, the Windows OS was the world's dominant computing platform. I believe it still is, actually. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks to Windows XP. And it was throwing down a stiff challenge to the Sony PlayStation with its Xbox gaming console. Yes. However, at the same time, Apple was making its comeback, helped in no small measure by the stunning success of its iPod portable media player in the iTunes store. Oh, yeah. No, the Xbox and Microsoft made, they made, like, getting a gaming console cool. It wasn't like a little bitch thing for nerds anymore. Exactly. It was actually cool to have now. But Apple just invented the smartphone. Yeah, well, or the uh, the iPod. The right, sm- right. Smartphone, smartphone was, was a little later. A little bit later, but like it, it was starting that. But like the iPod, the original iPod was released either in two thousand and two thousand one. Right. Um, and so that was like completely blowing up at this time, like right at the same time as the Xbox. Business Week tells the tale of Jay Allard, the man responsible for bringing the Zune Media Player to market in less than eight months. What? <laughs> That, that is not possible. Yeah. You can't do that. There is no product that can go from conception to market <laughs> in eight months. Exactly. So I, I haven't been able to find a lot of information on Jay Allard as a person, but I've heard him described, and I would agree with this assessment, that he looks like Lex Luthor. Oh, he, He's almost completely hairless, and he has like one earring. So he's like a... Cool early two thousands executive, or right? Something. Right. He's gonna sit on the chair backwards and, talk yeah. and throw a textbook in the trash can and talk about how your LLC is actually super cool, bro. Exactly. Yeah. So Allard had been recruited from Boston University in nineteen ninety one, quickly rising through the ranks at Microsoft. So he's he literally spent his entire career up to this point at Microsoft. He went from college, started an entry level at Microsoft, and just moved through the ranks. Hey, if you know what. You- if you know what you like, you know what you like, I Exactly. Um, before the launch of the Zune, Allard was best known for developing the Xbox product family, uh-huh. as well as his 1994 memo, Windows, the next killer application on the internet, encouraging the Microsoft team to embrace the internet. The memo, distributed by my- two Microsoft leaders, captured the attention of Bill Gates and is cited for reshaping the company's direction. This guy sounds like... Well, it's it. Why don't more people talk about this? That, yeah. that's an incredible amount of influence over how we use technology today. Exactly. And yeah, this guy sounds like the right guy for the job. Definitely, if there's anyone to you know throw up competition to, you know, like Apple's completely revolutionary product, it's this guy. Right. So Allard has had a reputation within Microsoft as Microsoft's father of the internet. Damn. So he has a, like a pretty incredible resume, even though he's just worked at Microsoft. Like quite the track record. Exactly. Uh, Business Week wrote, You might think that given the quick turnaround and relatively light allocation of human resources, compared to the five-year, 10,000-plus worker process of bringing Vista to the fore, Microsoft isn't seriously betting on besting Steve Jobs and co. at what has become their game. But this guy, Allard, is serious. <laughs> on October 19th, a month before the Zune's release, Allard sent an email to his 230 workers containing an old quotation from Jobs, which was, The only problem with Microsoft is that they have no taste. Allard responded in the email, I, for one, want to see this guy eat his words. Those are fighting words. He's speaking to every one of us and saying that we don't get it. Oh, boy. (laughs) I mean, you can see the storm rolling in. Yeah. I'm I'm standing on a bluff and there's an old man or or no, there's like there's an old hunched woman standing next to me who just looks at me and says, 
Storm's coming. <laughs> the winds are changing. <laughs> I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, those are pretty bold words. Like, he's saying, like, like we're going to take Steve Jobs down. Microsoft, at this time in history, Microsoft's thing was not, was definitely not taste, mm-hmm. right? Apple's whole thing is that they're a fashion brand. Yeah, exactly. Right? They, they make stuff that is sleek and sexy. Microsoft's whole thing is that they're effective. Yeah. Right? right? It's not sexy. It's not fun. But they're making you a product that works. Exactly. And a product that you can mess with, right? You can't open up the guts of Apple stuff. But yeah. for Microsoft, sure, root around. Whatever the hell. Exactly. Which is, is ex- seems exactly like what the Zoom was. Right. Um, the Zoom program started following the launch of the Xbox 360 in 2006. It was co-led by Allard, who was in charge of product, and Brian Lee, who was in charge of business. When Lee stepped down in 2007 from his post at Zoom, Allard took over as the new executive in, char- in charge of the entire program. Oh, uh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a trend we've seen is like executives suddenly taking on way more power than they initially signed up for. And it's not just power. Like, being an executive is... A hellishly stressful job. Yeah. Sure, it comes with perks, but you have literally millions of dollars riding on your shoulders. It's an intensely stressful job. And the reason that it's usually split up into like CFO, CIO, assistant vice, like the reason that it's split up into all those different delegations is that you are at the helm of an enormously complex machine made of human beings. Exactly. Yeah, and so there was initially two people set to lead this ship, and he's taking on both of their jobs after right. this other guy stepped down. There's only so much that one human can manage. Yeah, so Alard committed himself to overseeing complete development of the, of the Zoom um, and continued to stress the point that it would be a rival to the iPod. Microsoft had created MSN Music in 2004 to compete with iTunes, and in 2006, with much fanfare, Microsoft officially launched the Zoom. You need a killer, killer marketing lineup to do that. Exactly. Um, the first device was the Zoom 30. I don't know why the first one was the Zoom 30. The, the naming scheme is really weird for the Zoom. Uh, Microsoft, especially at this time, has this weird thing about naming... Like, whatever their version of a thing is, they... Tr- they Name it the most confusing possible version of it. Like exactly, there's a part of a computer's I forget which part it is exactly called the shell, Mm -hmm. right? It's a part of how your operating system connects with the actual hardware of your computer. Yeah, Um, Windows for some reason calls theirs the super shell. (laughs) It's super. No, it's just a normal (laughs) shell. (laughs) Nobody knows why. It's like, and they. Oh my god. If you need to ask Microsoft support questions about anything like this, they insist on using their dumb... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they insist on using the dumb internal language. It's right. like, uh, yeah, you're going to want to uh, click on that to run the Microsoft Supershell. It's like, shut up. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's like how like restaurants force you to use the... You have to order the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. Right. It's like, can I just have some pancakes with eggs? Right. Oh my <laughs> I'm God. I'm sorry, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, the Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. <sighs> oh, yes, coming up. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so whereas Apple has a genius for their naming as like a, an arm of marketing. Well, it makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's the iPhone 2. The iPhone 3G. 
Like, there you, you know, go. like it becomes like stuck in your head. Like you got to get the iPhone 3G. Right. Notice the difference in how they named their their music clients. Mm-hmm. Right. It. What the fuck? I. You said it ten minutes ago, <laughs> and I still don't remember what it was. What did Microsoft call its music thing? Uh, MSN Music. Yeah. So, or was there another one? It was like the the. I think they just called it like Zoom Media Service. Yeah, it was like Zoom Media Store or something. Yeah. Notice how you said it five minutes ago, and we are already confused as to what it's called. Yeah, exactly. Compared to Apple's iTunes. Right. Which people still call it that, even though it's not called iTunes anymore. Right. Right. No one calls it Apple Music. They still call it iTunes. So the Zoom 30 came with a capacity of 30 gigabytes as well as FM radio and a three-inch screen. The Zoom 30 was initial av- available in black, white, or brown. Mm. <laughs> Notice how Apple has never offered a product in brown. Right. <laughs> it, it doesn't look good. Who buys the brown Zoom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just really like brown. That's just my aesthetic. Uh, it's not a descriptive color either. It's yeah. just brown. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like earth tones. Or- yeah. Exactly. It's just the brown zoom. Um, Unfortunately for Microsoft, the Apple iPod juggernaut was simply unstoppable at that time. Yeah. As it had had five years to cement its market leading position. The iPod had been out for five years before the zoom launched. Which you can't blame Microsoft for that. Yeah. No one thought the iPod would be that successful. Exactly. But still, you know. This is one hell of a mountain to climb. Exactly. Like, not only has this already dominated, it's already, like, locked in people's brains as what you associate MP3 player with iPod. Right. So iPod had already become the world's de facto digital entertainment device. 15% market share would be great for us. So that was, like, the stretch goal, 15% market share. Right. However, in terms of market share, Zoom never got past the single digits. Oh, no. (laughs) As far as I can tell, it never got past... I'll get into that in a second, but more than you can count on one hand. Oh, no. (laughs) The iPod, on the other hand, enjoyed three quarters of music player sales worldwide, whereas the Zune suffered derision from both pundits and tech fans alike. So, like, even from its launch, it already had a reputation of being a joke. Right, it was just a punching bag. The New York Times' Saul Hansel did an interview with Allard in 2007 and wrote the following. When I spoke to Mr. Allard, he was upfront about Microsoft's slow start. But he defended the approach of fail fast and learn. It's <laughs> just the same stock line from any of these people. I, that's 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 at least a little different in that at least he's acknowledging failure as a possibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not one of these like move fast, break things. Yeah. It's like their sacrifices must be made for the good of the state or whatever. Like yeah. you know, he's not the captain of the Titanic talking about how the ship is unsinkable. Right. He's at least saying, like, we have to try something. Yeah. <laughs> And we are going to keep trying. Um, and in typical Microsoft fashion, he talked about the first generations of Zune as early moves in a long-term strategy. Fair, I guess. I guess. If you're Microsoft, you have money to blow. You can yeah. do shit like that. Right, you can keep trying. I would perhaps have put more effort into the first Zune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe a couple extra colors besides black, white, brown. and brown. But the fact that Allard had been so successful with the Xbox um, bolstered his credibility on this somewhat. So he did have a track record for successful products, so people gave him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, Said Allard, My job is all about patient passion and being able to take the dream that is five years out, ten years out, and stepping through it 
year to year. Ah, but you launched this in eight months, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're already like your first step was already like you tripping. So we'll see how this goes. I think my biggest dissatisfaction is with the lack of innovation in the music space just in general. Have we really advanced far beyond the, the Walkman and a collection of tapes? Not really. Oh, yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. That's, <laughs> iPods are tiny. Yeah. They're extremely portable and they're sexy. Right. And you don't have to load a new tape every time you want to listen to a new song. Right. Last year, the fact that we had anything on store shelves in six months was quite an effort by a number of people and some great partners. It's like, it's impressive that you were able to launch something that much, but like that doesn't make it like a smart Strategy. That doesn't mean that the product is good, my yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Last year, we created a product that people liked, but this year, we are creating products that people love. Unlike Xbox, you aren't on a five-year cycle. You get to be on an annual cycle. So that's the... You get to buy a new Zune every yeah. year. So that's Lucky part of you. the fun in all this. Sure. I guess it's fun. And he was equally frank about the idea that the main ways that Microsoft sells music on behalf of the major record labels don't really work in today's world. He said he expects much music to be free, probably accompanied by advertising. So he had some foresight. Hey, on, he predicted Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Like, he predicted the thing that would, you know, put iTunes out of business 10 right. years later. So. Right. But he did he do that? No. <laughs> he still kept trying with the Zoom. Hmm. Um, so led by a large vision, Microsoft stuck with the Zoom. In 2007, it launched the Zune 80 alongside... 30 to 80. Alongside the smaller Zune 4 and Zune 8 to compete with iPods or Apple's iPod Nano line. You're making your products intentionally confusing. Yeah. Don't do that. That's bad. The Stop. Zune 30, the Zune 80, the Zune 4, the Zune 8. How are you supposed to tell what the differences are? Why should you buy a 4 oh, instead of an 80? My God. There was... Back when... Like, back during the Xbox 360 era... Right, everything was Microsoft points. Yeah, you could go to you go to a grocery store and you could get yourself a little like Microsoft card. Yeah. that had a number of points on it. Yeah, but no one ever knew what the conversion rate of dollars <laughs> to Microsoft points was. Yeah, it was like it was like a weird logarithmic scale. <laughs> it was like ten dollars bought you eight hundred Microsoft points, but seven dollars bought you four hundred. <laughs> How the fuck does this yeah. work, Microsoft? You have to like, put it into an algorithm to determine... like Right. It's like, what is this? Yeah. It's like, how are you supposed to know? Right. It's like, how much do your products cost? Right. Exactly. Stop making, like, stop making me do this weird like enigma cipher shit. Yeah. It's like weird marketing tricks that serve no purpose other than to make it more confusing. I, I can see a psychological argument being made for... If a product makes you sink time into using it, right. it starts bringing up the sunk cost fallacy mm -hmm. of like, I've already spent so much time on this, so it must be good. Yeah. But Microsoft, it's like the experience is bad, even if they're yeah. it, like, all of that shit is saved by the fact that you get to purchase a fun video game at the end of that. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You, you've got that Pavlovian reward cycle, mm -hmm. but... Most of it is just bad. Right, exactly. And weird. And you're probably spending way more money than you need to be spending. Who knows? Or way maybe, less. Maybe I was winning money on yeah. every trade. Like, who exactly. the fuck knows? There's literally no way to know. So the Zoom was generally understood to be a well-designed product with a, with a simple but user-friendly interface. And I included a little picture. It's... It's not quite as sleek as an iPod, but it's, I mean, it's, it looks pretty nice. It looks like, it looks like a store brand iPod. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like shitty or anything. Yeah. But like, it's definitely not something that's like going to compete with the iPod. But like, 
maybe if it's like way cheaper, like it's not like it doesn't look like a bad product. Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, the reputation was already there. Just kind of being a shitty product, like a, a joke, even though most people said, like, yeah, it works great. Like, it's fine. Right. Right. One Zoom innovation was its wireless connection. Oh. This could allow, for example, users to share music with each other wirelessly. But if a user passed a copyright song uh, to another Zoom user, they could play it only three times over three days. Oh, that's super fucking annoying. <laughs> that's like a Cinco product. It's like a yeah. weird like time limit. Like you get three listens and then it's gone. Oh, they... They tried to do that with um, DVDs. Did you uh, know that? No, I didn't. No, there was, for a while, there was like, I don't know the specifics of it, but there was this, there was a potential DRM technology yeah. where like a CD would be able to count the amount of times that it had been played. And then after, after a certain amount of time, it would erase itself and become like, it would corrupt itself. And people, people tried to like, Put this technology in every CD player. <laughs> That's like the early 2000s technology in a nutshell. Right, right. There. right. Companies have been wanting to do that since cassette tapes. Right. Like, can we make a cassette tape that can only be played a certain amount of times <laughs> right. and then burns itself? Right. Just like maximum electronic waste. Yeah. <laughs> How can we ensure maximum electronic waste and maximum profit? Uh, <laughs> in December 2008... Neil Santos, a writer for a Philadelphia newspaper, claimed that he had spotted Barack Obama listening to a Zoom. Okay. Quote, he walked majestically across the gym floor in his track pants and sweatshirt. All right, bud. (laughs) He hopped on the machine next to me and broke a mean sweat while reading a copy of USA Today and listening to his Zoom. This is the most homoerotic (laughs) Zoom article I've ever read. So this was after Barack Obama had already been elected. Like, he had just been elected the month before. Oh. So I would not be surprised if this was a weird, like, guerrilla marketing tactic by Microsoft, almost. Or if it was just... It could also just be, like, a weird guy. I I think this is just a weird coincidence. <laughs> I think this definitely happened, but I like the fact that he described Obama as breaking a mean sweat. However, the story does not stop there. Oh, boy. The Obama campaign quickly responded to the claim. No. The president-elect uses an iPod. A spokesman... (laughs) (laughs) A spokesman told the Wall Street Journal... (laughs) Quickly correcting the record on that. Now, Barack Obama does not use a Zoom, nor would he ever be caught dead using a Zoom. Man, they... They got that, they hit that harder than the drone strikes. (laughs) (laughs) Just no room for error. (laughs) He had already been elected. They're like, just like, no. The president may have committed some war crimes, but he does not use a fucking Zoom. You think the president is a nerd? Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off. The writer of the article, uh, Mr. Neil Santos, posted a response, sticking to his guns and doubling down on his claim that Barack Obama was using a Zoom. Quote, I vividly remember Obama pulling out an MP3 player with his left hand while exercising on the machine. It had a dark case protecting it, and from what I saw, he was using a Zoom. I've seen a Zoom in action. I know what it looks like. This guy was watching Obama pretty intently. (laughs) (laughs) The Obama campaign did not have further comment. I saw Obama reach into, <laughs> reach into his pocket with his toned left hands and brush his majestic thighs as he 
I just don't know what the intent of this this writer is. What is he trying to do? <laughs> right. Does he really love Zunes and he's trying to just say, like, no. Is this a pro-Zune article yeah. or is he just sharing a fun thing yeah. that he saw? But then arguing with the official Obama administration. He <laughs> sounds like genuinely upset yeah. that the administration corrected him. Like, How dare you? I know what I saw. It's like, he, it has the air of like UFO, like people who right. claim to have seen UFOs. Like, you have don't to. try to silence me. <laughs> Guys, the shadow government is after me. The yeah. Majestic 12 are shutting down my articles. Yeah. I know that I saw Obama using a, using a Zoom. In 2009, Microsoft launched the Zoom HD. So finally getting rid of the weird numbers system. For now. <laughs> this was the first touchscreen Zoom. Ooh. While the Zoom HD garnered good reviews, it was still a Zoom. The word Zoom by now carried an air of failure, an idea of a product that was dead on arrival, and the HD didn't just didn't sell. By the summer of 2009, the Zoom accounted for just 2% of the music player oh, market. no. So it, it, it very much was dead on arrival. Yeah. Microsoft released a slightly upgraded version in 2010, which I believe was called, like, the Zoom 300. So back to the numbering system. Whatever. <laughs> but by October 2011, it was clear Microsoft was on a losing wicket and they pulled the plug. Was that a cricket reference? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Um, by this point as well, Microsoft was having to contend with a much larger trend of standalone music players giving way to smartphones. Yes. With the iPhone 3G and 4 dominating the marketplace. So by the time Zune was finally starting to innovate with their product, MP3 players weren't even a thing anymore. Right. So. Right. 2000, like Smartphones were a thing in like 2007. Yeah. And the first iPhone was launched in 2007. Right, and by that time, and they released the Zune, like the Zune HD Plus, yeah. in two thousand and ten. Three years yeah. later, by that time, it's like Apple is already like, all right, like we're kind of like they're like, on the iPhone three yeah, now. Exactly, like, they've already realized that the that the MP three player is dead, and they've innovated on their their killer of of MP three players three times. <laughs> they've laughed to Zune. It's at this point, it's just. They are literally beating a dead horse. Yeah. So the Zune hardware players were discontinued in October 2011. That's like that would be like trying to sell laser discs now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like okay, like you're in the wrong era. You know, Microsoft. This is a fantastic laser disc player, yeah. but nobody uses these anymore. Yeah. Like, did you press the wrong setting on the time machine? <laughs> So they were discontinued in twenty in October 2011. In June 2012, Microsoft announced plans to discontinue all Zune products. So now I'm going to get into a little bit of analysis from a few articles that I've seen about why the Zune failed. Okay, yeah, this is I'm fascinated to learn this. So the first point that in a lot of um, analysis was obviously the bad timing. Right. The first Zune launched in 2006, five years after the release of its competitor, the iPod. Zune arrived much too late, as the iPod had already rapidly become the go-to source not only for music, but for all portable entertainment. Microsoft was behind on the Zune. Even when the Zune HD was released, it had come two years after the iPhone and the iPod Touch. When the Zune debuted, Apple had already taken over almost the entire MP3 market. It was an uphill battle from the beginning. Some might even say they were doomed from the start. I think I think there's definitely some alternate timelines where Microsoft did manage to nab a, at least a little bit of market space. Yeah. But I like that it would take one hell of a swordsman, you know. Yeah. Well, 
there's definitely some potential of like marketing it as like, you know, like a cheaper but still very functional alternative to the iPod for people who don't give a shit about like the fashion element of Apple. That's really what they needed. Honestly, yeah. they needed it's like what's the differential? How yeah. is how is the Zoom different from the iPod? How is it better? Exactly. What is, yeah. And the easiest thing is, like you said, just making it cheaper. Uh, the other point was lack of innovation. Bad timing can sometimes be overlooked if a product has features that make it unique and innovative compared to what's already in the market, like you said. Right. However, the Zoom didn't have this. While it wasn't a bad device and was generally reviewed as a well-designed player, the Zoom just didn't have the features that set it apart from the iPod. It didn't address any new or unique user needs that the iPod wasn't already taking care of. Do you do you know what the actual original price point was? No, I didn't look into that. I know it was about half the price of an iPod. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it had that going for it. But, you know, even, like, I don't think iPods were that expensive. Though. They weren't. That was the yeah. thing. They were, like, I mean, back in, oh, uh, whenever. Back in, like, 2003, yeah. an iPod was, like, $100. Yeah, exactly. So, like, a little expensive, but, like... Definitely not like the level of expense that most Apple products are now. It was the ideal thing to buy a teenager for their birthday. Yeah, exactly. I got my iPod Nano for my 11th birthday. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So with the iPod's already wide popularity, there was no real incentive for consumers to choose a Zoom over an iPod. The other was insufficient marketing. So now we're going to get into the marketing, okay. which is another really interesting aspect of it. The marketing for the Zoom seemed to fail at setting the Zoom apart from the iPod for consumers in any concrete way. So Robbie Bach, former Microsoft executive, had this to say about the marketing of Zoom. I think our marketing message was very confused. I don't think people walked away saying this is what a Zoom is and this is why it's different. This is why I have to have it. We did some really artsy ads, which I will get into in a second, that appealed to a very small segment of the music space, but we didn't captivate the broad segment of music listeners. The portable music player is gone and it was already leaving when we started. We just weren't brave enough, honestly, and we ended up chasing Apple with a product that actually wasn't a bad product, but it was still a chasing product. I love how honest he's being about yeah. this. This is like very reflective. Yeah. And there wasn't a reason for somebody to say, oh, I have to go out and get that thing. The music industry just didn't figure out that being dependent on Apple was bad for them. And they were so hooked on the drug, the drug of what Apple was supplying they couldn't see past that to realize that they needed something else to give to actually drive their business. If you look at business value, Apple took whatever business value was in the label business and erased it. That's not a complaint about Apple, good for them. So this is part of like a much larger conversation about what Apple did. Right, how Apple changed the music industry. Exactly, and how that led to things like Spotify and having like Apple completely abandon iTunes in favor of Apple Music nowadays. Right. So which was a good thing. Yeah. Like, I am so... Apple basically destroyed traditional music recording, which was one of the most predatory, like, industries on Earth. Yeah. Um, I'm glad it's dead and everyone should be too. Right. Um, but then Apple basically did a similar thing. Yeah. And it's glad that... It's a good thing that they died as well. Yeah. And now Spotify is doing the same thing to right. artists, so, like, everyone's just getting screwed. It's... You're right, though. It's... I am very refreshed by how honest this guy is yeah. being. Like, if... What is his name again? Robbie Bach. Robbie Bach, you get an official Desperate Acts of Capitalism <laughs> gold star for being a good business boy. Yeah, non-bumbling executive, or less bumbling executive. Right. It's just, you were, fight, you were fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. It's not a bad thing that you lost here. Right, we realize that now. <laughs> okay, question. Yeah. If you're the guy who's in charge of marketing the zoo, yeah. how do you sell it? Like, what, what's your thought process, Evan? Well, 
I'm a bit biased because actually the next section um, of what I'm talking about is like someone's theory on what they should have done, and okay. I actually happen to agree with that. Okay, okay. Then just then just go ahead. Okay, I'm curious okay. to end. And then I'll, we'll get your yeah, if yeah. you agree with that. So Microsoft's marketing of the Zune was too narrowly focused. The marketing team targeted their campaigns toward a specific audience, perhaps those who are anti-mainstream and want to stand apart from the crowd. But I actually don't agree with that assessment. So I'm going to describe one of the Zune ads that I found. Like okay. This is the, one of the most popular Zune ads that I found on YouTube. So they produce a series of very strange dreamlike ads. In one ad, it starts with a woman listening to her Zune at a restaurant. She taps her finger on the screen and is she suddenly transported to a mirror dimension filled with giant pink mice that seem to worship her and film her as she jumps into a strange silver vehicle. She is then transported to an art museum in which the paintings are coming alive and spilling out into the outside world. The woman jumps into one of the paintings and is transported to a rock concert (laughs) that is frozen in time, where she climbs into the kick drum, falls out of the sun, and into a sea filled with jellyfish. She then extends her hand out to a giant reflection of herself, which cuts back to the original scene with the woman tapping on the screen of her Zoom. The ad is very interesting, well-made, and dreamlike, but it showed absolutely no features of the Zoom itself. Yep. So this is what some articles like that I wrote down, they said their audience was too narrowly focused, but I almost disagree with that. I feel like it was too vaguely focused. Like, it was... That's not a targeted ad. Yeah, exactly. That's just a bunch of imagery. They're not aiming for an audience. Exactly. Other but- than, like avant-garde artists but none of those people watch tv yeah exactly right it's like this is a very cool ad that you know shows that zune maybe it has a cool vibe to it but it's like it doesn't show what the zune is right and if the ipod already is the de facto mp3 player and it's not that expensive why should you choose a zune right like what what i would have done is really hit the features of the zune why is it different from an ipod and why is it better while being cheaper? Like that kind of thing. And like you said, like how Microsoft products are different, how you can customize it, how you can like, you know, put add your own stuff to it rather than just being forced to do exactly what Apple says kind of thing. I, I was going to say that. You know how you market the Zoom? Yeah. You make it punk. Exactly, right? yeah. You make the Zoom exactly. the working man's iPod. Right. Right? You're not one of these trust fund kids that buys that can buy an expensive iPod. You right. go to Knott's Berry Farm, not <laughs> exactly. Disneyland. Yes. Right? Both your parents have day jobs and you gotta you gotta help them out. You don't have money for one of these, yeah. so you buy the working man's iPod. <laughs> exactly. You buy a Zoom. Right, exactly. They could really have hit that like just like that early 2000s, like, anti-mainstream, like... It's the Sonic to the Mario of the iPod. Exactly, yeah. And that wouldn't have helped them, like, beat the iPod, but it would have gained them the market share that would have met their goals, at least, given them enough money to keep going. Right. It's like, if this was the 90s, you do a commercial with Kurt Cobain. Exactly, yes. Or whatever their early two, like the mid two thousands equivalent of Kurt Cobain was, you, like Green Day. Yeah, like you exactly. get you get Billy Joel Armstrong. Yeah, exactly. So Microsoft was God. I can see the commercial in my head. Yeah, exactly. It's like you you capitalize on American idiots. Yeah, right, right. right. You you find some band to be the spokesperson for the Zoom. 
or you don't you don't necessarily do you don't necessarily do it with the band you just use all of that imagery yeah. of like but you have to specifically contrast it with apple you have to yeah. tie apple to this idea of like a corporate overlord totally you know this sleek uber minimalism versus the like the grungy utilitarianism of the zune yeah, and, and that wouldn't have been a hard thing to do because, like, Apple's a pretty big target in that regard. Right. Like, the way Apple does its ads, it's very, like... It definitely wasn't always that way. Yeah. Like, Apple is definitely going for, like, hip and stylish. It's not necessarily going for wealth, but it's going for style. Exactly. You know, it's metropolitan. Right. But you can position yourself to be Apple is about wealth and we're about, you know, like, the common people. Exactly. Like, you can... You can sell that in an ad. Easily. So and you talk about its its price and its customizability. Exactly. Those are the two things you hit. Those are the two real advantages they had over the iPod. Mm-hmm. The, the two that you could actually talk about. Um, so further analysis of that ad, uh, Microsoft was operating on the false assumption that a flashy ad is all it takes to sell a product that already fa- faces an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. The only appeal to the customer seemed to have been that the Zoom was not an iPod, but they gave no real reason why you should buy a Zoom over an iPod. Right. Like they said, buy a Zoom, it's not an iPod, but it's like, why? Like what is different about it? What's the personality? And that is the thought process of a company that has been the dominant company in its market space for its entire life. That is the thought process of the people who sold Microsoft XP. Exactly. Like, what do you mean we have to differentiate it in the market space? It's Microsoft XP. <laughs> Everyone knows Microsoft XP. Exactly. Except people that had five years to know the iPod in association with MP3 players. Exactly. So the creators of the Zoom did not release a product that was filling any gap for users' needs. It was. It seemed as if there was simply Microsoft's way to compete with Apple's products without any real strategy. Hmm. If Zoom had been introduced before the iPod, it definitely could have had a major chance, but it wasn't. It was released five years later. Right. And instead of looking at the iPod and thinking about how they can solve problems better, they launched a very similar product with similar functions. The marketing was also insufficient, but it wasn't about the scope of the marketing. It was about the tone of the marketing. Right. The direction of the marketing. Yeah, exactly. By the time Microsoft had made significant updates to its last lackluster first-generation Zoom 30, Apple had already made the iPod obsolete with the iPhone. Apple had truly lapped Microsoft on the race course. Truly. So, in an interview shortly after the launch of the iPhone, Jay Allard was asked if Microsoft would ever release a Zune phone. He responded, quote, The thing we are focusing on is that Zune is music first. We think that there is a lot of runway, first in redefining the music experience with partners. That said, we built it on the same operating system as that phone right there. So we have the flexibility to take these in a different direction where our customers, our partners, and ourselves are ready. And that's the story of the Zune. It's like... All of those things are true. You know, like, we think there's enough runway to redefine the music industry. Yeah. But he didn't do that. Exactly. He just made another iPhone. He even said, oh, it's based on that operating system right there, which is true. Yeah. Literally every smartphone and MP3 player out right now is all the same Android guts. Right. Like, that is true if you do that. Yeah. You didn't do that. Right. Which is, like, so many quotes we've seen on the show. It's like, yes, that, that quote is correct. But the circumstances don't even reflect that. Like, if the circumstances have been different, that would have been a great quote. But it almost sounds delusional at this point. I think Alar just got put on the project and was given eight months to do all this shit. Yeah. Which is just not possible. Yeah, You exactly. can't compete with... Especially, you can't... Oh my god. You can't bring a product from conception to market in eight months. Yeah. That is not possible. It doesn't really matter what the product is. That is not enough time. Exactly. It's like two to three years minimum. Right. And for 
for something like the iPhone, you can't do that in eight months. Yeah. You would need another five years. Exactly. And even then, it's like the market is going to take too long. Exactly. Maybe. Or just what happened, like they already had a completely new category of products by the time they had really perfected it. Which I guess at that point, you're just playing catch up. Yeah. Um, but Microsoft isn't even in the phone game anymore. Yeah. It's, right. Like, it's, it's all um, Samsung and Google. Right. Yeah. And so, you know. Well, actually, Microsoft is at a huge disadvantage as well because Apple and Samsung own all of the touchscreen manufacturers. Mm. You can't. You can't make phones now without partnering with one of those two companies. Right. And Apple isn't going to partner with you. Right. Yeah. There's definitely an alternate timeline where they, you know, they release the Zune earlier. They make it more like this anti-mainstream version of the iPod. Then they release the Zune phone. And then maybe Microsoft would be a competitor in the phone space today. It's like, I don't know, though, because Microsoft's cardinal sin has always been hubris. Yeah. Ever since the release of Microsoft XP, it's they suffer from that problem of having too much money and not enough things to do with it. Right. So they just end up spending an enormous amount of money changing things that aren't broken yeah. and just fucking themselves out of further profits because right. they're being weird and confusing. Yeah. Exactly. They are getting better though. Right. It's basically everything from everything from after Windows XP up to Windows 10 mm-hmm. has just was just a colossal fuck up. Right. None of those products were good and they only lost market share from them. Yeah. The only the only reason that Microsoft was able to stay around for those 18 years yeah. was basically the fact that Microsoft but like Microsoft Windows comes preloaded on most computers. Right, yeah. It's it's the fact that it's the only other enterprise operating system besides Mac OS. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, gives it a pretty good leg up. Yeah, a little, little bit. Yeah. Because people don't want to figure out what Linux is. Yeah, exactly. And most programs don't run on Linux. That's another story. That's another story. Hey, we definitely do need to talk about the open source movement. That's I, an enormous thing. Please do. <laughs> um, I, I bestow that task upon you. <laughs> I am definitely better suited for it. Yes. Um, but anyway, that's the story of the Zune. As a wrap-up, just please write to us if you have a Zune. I, I did find a few stories of people saying they still have their Zunes and they love them. So They're just iPhones. They're just iPods. Yeah, like, exactly. That's it. There's no reason not to love them. Yeah, exactly. There's just something like so sad about like a product that... like you still use but they don't make like support for it anymore right. like they don't sell zune chargers anymore so eventually that was the thing i saw in people who had zunes they had always had this ominous thing of like eventually i know my charger is going to short and my zune will have will die and then i won't have a zune anymore oh no like, it's so sad so gotta like send it to a product museum or something yeah exactly Ugh. anyway well fantastic story thank you for that thank you i'm glad i was finally able to do that one yeah yeah I love the story about Barack Obama. (laughs) So random. Oh my god. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Yep, we love you. Big things are coming. Buy our merch now. We got them. Yes, there's merch now. There'll be a link somewhere. 45 different products that say big things are coming. Because why not? Yes. Redbubble does it for us. Yeah. Be the envy of your family and friends. Do it. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter at D-A-O-C-Cast, Instagram at Desperate Acts of Capitalism, and Tumblr at DesperateActsOfCapitalism.tumblr.com. 
And remember, next week's episode is up right this moment on our Patreon. Join us there for bonus content, including an entire second podcast, Business Desserts, where Evan and I talk about current business news and whatever we feel like talking about that week. And thank you so much for listening. We love you. Big things are coming.